Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Here's another episode of A Trader's Journey. I'm joined with Pat Baluni today. If you don't know Pat, um, he is a trading mindset performance coach. So, Pat, if you just want to introduce yourself, mate. Yeah, perfect. Albie, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's great to be here and it's, uh, hopefully we're going to share a lot of value on trading mindset stuff. Um, as I was introduced, my name is Pat Bailuni and I, um, I do work as a trading mindset performance coach. Um, I run a business called Master Your Trading Mindset, which is um, effectively what we do is we help traders eliminate the um, roadblocks and the mental patterns that hold them back from consistency and funding. Um, and I think I'll give a little bit of a, a, an overview of my journey as well, Albi. I think that will, yeah, I guess, man. preface and introduce me a little bit better before we get into some value. Um, but I started effectively trading six years ago. Um, and my journey started off on LinkedIn, actually. I jumped on a free LinkedIn trial and I started cold messaging as many people who had Forex Trader in their bio, <laughs> um, asking if they could please mentor me. Um, and obviously the, the response rate was mostly no, who is this, who is this person um, kind of thing. Um, but I got two responses, two positive responses. And one gentleman said, no, I can't mentor you, but read a book called Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas, um, which obviously a lot of people watching this have probably read, obviously yourself as well, Albie. Um, and the other gentleman said, yes, I can mentor you. And he ended up mentoring me one-on-one -on -one for uh, a good few years. Um, now, he obviously got value from that later towards the end part of that mentorship when I you know, started to pass on what, what are the best stocks or the best currencies to look at with our strategy. Um, but I did really well um, on this gentleman called Mike's strategy that he taught me. I ended up having my 10, first 10% month, which um, back in the day was, was pretty good, lot. right? Yeah, for sure. Not, not anything near what you guys are doing now, but... <laughs> 10% uh, was pretty good back in the day. And I ended up going and getting my first six-figure round of investment. Um, we didn't have the prop firms like we do now, so we had to structure them a little bit differently. Um, and effectively, I traded that and I went through a bit of a bad drawdown, um, had a bad beat. Um, a lot of the reason looking back on it was because of the psychology, and obviously we're going to touch on that today. Um, but that was the point that really highlighted the importance of psychology and mindset. Um, not only in trading, though, me losing that funding, me going in that drawdown with that funding um, had a huge impact on every single area of my life. So it wasn't only trading that put impact by, it was my life in general. Um, so I went off and, and studied a lot on trading mindset specifically. Um, obviously books like uh, Mental Game of Poker back then was big, Trading in the Zone. Um, and I also did more advanced studies with a mentor called Dr. John D. Martini. Um, and that's where I learned a lot more of my advanced stuff. He had a strong background in neuroscience. And what I wanted to do was take all those components I learned and put them together so I could then go off and provide one of the best services on trading mindset um, and ultimately help traders overcome the psychological challenges, not with fluffy stuff that you read from personal development books, but real, real good stuff backed with, um, with proper science, neuroscience and that type of stuff. And, um, ultimately, that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm producing and providing to clients nowadays. Um, but yeah, that's that's really a, a summary of uh, where where I started, um, why I got into what I do now, um, and a little bit about that as well. So yeah, I love that. It's um, it's inspiring to hear. Obviously, I remember the days when you know prop funds weren't weren't a thing at all, um, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy at all, like you say. And when the days of I mean, today's ten percent still huge. Um, I think it's overlooked. A little bit 
a lot of people, um, I guess the opportunity and possibilities now, you know, people are just like, our oh, 10% is nothing, but of course it's still, it's a great percent per month, especially on large investment capital as you grow and scale, which again is something, you know, we do try and remind people. Um, so no, that's, that's incredible. So if we go back to kind of you, you starting out, so obviously the passion as well for you, as, as I know, you know, we've worked together previously, you have a real passion for one helping others, but you also have a passion for the, the mindset and psychology behind trading, right? Because it's not something that say a random person comes into trading, they don't think about the mindset, do they? They think about technicals. So have you found with most of clientele um, the what would you say the, the main kind of problem, if you like, um, they have with their mindset? Is it not wanting to take a loss? Is it FOMO? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think I think it's uh, sometimes a mixture of a lot of different things, but usually the underlying, the few underlying, uh, underlying things that we focus on um, not being able to deal with losses is, is a huge thing. That's a, that's a really big thing. Um, and I think, uh, especially because of upbringing, people have such a negative association to losing. And it's like, right, when, when, you know, when you're, you're younger and you're playing sport and you, you lose a grand final or you lose an, an important game, what happens, right? People come up to you and say bad luck and you know, people get disappointed. You have to work harder. So we're programmed from a very, very early age to think losing is bad right and in reverse as well when we win everybody cheers we get rewarded we get trophies people say awesome job and we learn to associate a lot of pleasure to winning a lot of dopamine to winning a lot of substance p and the the pain substances to losing and we trick our brain into thinking that winning's bad losing's losing's good or other way around sorry uh losing's bad winning's good but when we bring that mentality into the market albie you and i both know that Nobody actually knows what's going to happen next in the market, right? And when we're playing a probability model over a thousand trades, winning isn't bad, losing isn't good. They have to be transcended to give you permission to just stick to your edge and to stick to your trading plan to actually let the numbers play out. Because if you're thinking trade to trade, trade to trade, trade to trade, you take a loss, oh, what a terrible day. I'm, I'm not going to stick to my trading plan now. I'm going to be too fearful to act in the market. I'm not going to execute on the next trade. Oh, winning's good. All right, as soon as I win, I'm going to puff myself up. And now I think I'm better than the market and start projecting into the market. So it's those two dynamics of winning's good, losing's bad that actually what I've found over hundreds of clients, that's what actually kills their consistency. The addiction to winning and trying to avoid losing is ultimately what stops traders from sticking to a proven edge and what stops them from achieving consistency and funding and all the success they want as a trader is they can't stick to a proven edge. So if we go back to the root problem, we address the psychology of that and we address the whole dynamic with winning and losing and help them see that there are actually advantages to losing and there are actually drawbacks to winning until it's back to a state of equilibrium. You can then transcend your judgment to the outcome of an individual position, stick to a proven edge, let that play out over a hundred, over a thousand trades, gain that consistency, gain that funding, not lose that funding as well, because that's, a, that's another big thing and just, and, and trade that in the long run. So that is probably one of the most common, you know, challenges that I've helped traders overcome. It's that particular dynamic. How can I not make losing bad? How can I, how can I, you know, 
understand what's going on in my head and have tools to manage that, that's super key. And I think if traders equip themselves with that stuff, that that knowledge and that those tools, they're going to make the journey a lot more smooth and they're going to gain consistency quicker. They're going to gain funding quicker and they're going to hold on to that funding ultimately as well. And that's incredible. And you know what? It's something that relates to me as well, because when I, when I first started out, I hated being wrong. I couldn't yeah. deal with it. I was like, no. And, and again, it goes back to, for me kind of digging into, um, you know, the self-help books, podcasts, and, and just looking into entrepreneurs and, you know, what kind of challenges they faced. Because a lot of people I think think, you see an entrepreneur and oh, they made a, a billion dollars in, in a night and it took years, right? And they kind of go into their journey. And, and a lot of people say, like you said, comes from your childhood. And the funny thing with that is when I was younger, my dad was quite um, quite big on, uh, you need to win. Winning's good, you know, win-win. Playing football, playing any sport, it was like, you need to be first, first, first. There was no second, third. So like you say, when you bring that into your life in general, you're naturally, the minute you're wrong, you, you stand there, hit stop loss, and you're like, wrong, damn it. And, and what I found is, and I see it a lot, it can ruin your whole day. It can completely wipe your day out. And I was, I was leaving the charts and I was going to have dinner with the kids and the missus and I was annoyed and I was angry. And I was like, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. And it's not sustainable because you would just get into a point where you're like, this is, this is bad. And like you say, it's because you have losing here and you have winning on a pedestal, which most people also have funding on, on a pedestal. They believe it makes them a better, a better person. I personally don't believe whether you're funded or trading personal funds, doesn't matter. Um, Your focus should be consistency, right? On return on investment. And what I found was that was where I had to put the work in and associate that, look, being wrong is part of probabilities. And like you said, if you execute, the same edge and that's the important bit the same edge over a, a number of trades 10 20 30 100 thousand trades nine times out of ten your probabilities are playing in your favor right and that's why i believe and i'm quite big on this when people back test they do amazing because there's no emotion there's no attachment there's no gain there's no patience you can just fast forward the market and then they come to a live market where all those things actually appear live capital on the line or whatever and they crumble because they can't fast forward next they can't bar replay back um you know they have emotional gain and attachment and i always say to people you can be a professional back tester or you can be a professional trader and i think it's so important that people listening to this understand that yes back testing has its role and and of course it plays a huge part in, in data collection and building the edge but you also need that live market experience whether it be hundred dollars in an account and you trade with 0.1 risk and you just get live market experience but you need to understand that not every trade is going to run spread on trading view might keep you in but on your broker might take you out there's so many other factors and i think until i realized that and i just dropped my risk to 0.1 and i literally said to myself i'm going to hit my edge every time no matter what i was blown away on how often i was right but you just have to take the loss and just move on. And I read something and it said, um, you need to move on from a a win. Like when you move on from a win, you just, you're happy, you move on, right? You forget about it straight away. You need to move on from a loss in the same way. Take a loss, move on, leave your screen, no attachment, go and enjoy your day, come back to your screen, fresh mind, get on with it, right? And I think it's so important 
to to understand that we all lose. When I do a Q&A, most common question, do you lose? Hell yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the beauty nowadays, again, is, you know, with the, the strategy and the edge that we play, the RR is so high, you can lose a couple of times and doesn't matter. But what would you say, someone listening to this who's probably resonating with what we're talking about right now, what would you say the biggest thing they could address first to, to helping them with being okay with losses? Would you, would you agree yeah. in the sense of the live market experience and, and lower risk or? Definitely. Um, I think personally, uh, what I've experienced in my own journey, what I've seen in clients as well is, uh, and I, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of clients and clients at different stages of the journey as well. I think that was really important to me for my own education but I worked with traders who were on demo account. I also worked with traders who were looking at taking on, you know, tens of millions of dollars to start their own sort of fund and that type of stuff. So I've seen the whole spectrum. And whenever a trader comes to me and they're still on demo, I suggest that exact thing. Get onto a real account, put a small amount of money in there, risk the minimum amount because there's a significant difference between demo and real accounts. Um, now, that doesn't mean you have to put in a significant amount of money, but what it does do is it gives you skin in the game. And that's super, super important because that's where your amygdala starts firing, like we are talking before, um, Albie, and it, it pulls you in ways you didn't even know you could be pulled. And that's what you need to learn how to address and manage. And the only way you're going to be able to start doing that is by actually experiencing it and going through it. Now, to go back to your actual question about uh, how can traders... Uh, I guess, in a sense, deal with losses better. There's one specific thing that you can, it's just such an easy mindset shift that you can make before you get into a position that will actually help you deal with losses and even wins um, better and, and reduce the sting of them. And this is something I usually pass to clients pretty early on. And I highly encourage every trader to do this. If we uncover why losing is so painful, if you think about it, a lot of the times losing the percentage or losing the dollar amount relative to your overall account size isn't that big, right? A lot of traders risk 1% or 0.5% on a position, maybe even less. Maybe some risk a little bit more, but it's around that. Relative to the account size, it's not much. So that begs the question, why is losing so painful? And what I sort of uncovered after working with hundreds of traders is that the thing that's so painful is losing the positive expectations and fantasies that they're actually projecting onto the position before they get into it. So what I mean by this, is, let me give you a quick example. If your dollar is looking like it's going to sell off and you're going short in your dollar, that's one thing. But then if they then associate a fantasy onto that, that that euro dollar is going to get me my funded account and that euro dollar position is going to make you know my girlfriend actually like me now, and maybe that's going to make me this amount of money, then if they lose that position, they not only lose the position, but they lose all the positive associations, all the fantasies and all the dopamine they've associated to that win. So one thing I encourage all traders to do is to be aware of their expectations before they get into a position. If there are any outcome-based expectations about how good this win's going to be, how much money I'm going to make, how I'm going to pass my funded account, anything like that. If there's anything in your mind before you get into that position, you're going to leave yourself susceptible to having a very painful loss. And that's such a key, that's such a key thing when it comes to psychology 
Because then what you do, there's, there's so many layers to this as well. I want to cover one, one other layer is you then have confirmation bias to only support your expectation. So if you have an expectation that Eurodollar has to sell off, you're then going to go look at Dollar Swiss and DXY and you're going to find things to confirm why Eurodollar has to sell off with through confirmation bias. And you're going to block out any information that counteracts your belief in that moment. So you're blocking yourself out from very useful information that could be communicating something else. And you leave yourself susceptible to buying into your own bias as opposed to making real objective decisions based on what the market's communicating at the time. So to lower the sting of, I, I guarantee it, if you do this one thing, if you have the awareness before you get into a position and you're not imposing fantasies or expectations onto the market, but you're just trading a position because it's part of your trading plan, there's no side agenda there. The loss won't be that painful. You'll be able to, you'll be able to counter it as based on probabilities. But the reason why people sometimes can't say, oh, that was just a probability was because of all the expectations that they're imposing on the market. And when they lose those in their mind, it's very painful. That's so powerful, like really powerful, because it's funny. We say a lot, you know, uh, don't go into the market with an expectation. You know, you can't have one because you don't know what's going to happen. You can have the best edge in the world. Losses happen. Right. And I think that's something that I was very guilty of doing as well. Um, I was always focused on monetary value, essentially. And I would be getting into a trade. And before I've even, um, before it's even tagged me in or before I've entered the trade, I've spent the money essentially on something that, you know, you think you want or you need. And you then discuss it maybe with your partner. You're like, oh, should be getting ready for work. I'm like, oh, babe, this one here. Yeah, we're going on holiday. And like you say, straight away, you've lost a holiday. You've pissed your missus off. You've lost, you took a stop loss. And all of a sudden, you're in that spiral, right? And I think that just that one technique is so important because when I stop, stopped doing that and just said, it's just a trade, we put it on, we'll play our edge. No, what I also had to throw into that was understanding that no profit is crystallized until you've withdrawn it. And it's actually your profit because I think a lot of traders can be running 10%, 15% volume. Look at the monetary side. Oh, I've got 10 grand. No, you haven't because till you close it, withdraw it it isn't yours it's floating PL. so i think people need to understand that as well when you're when you're trading whatever's floating looks great on the mt4 on the numbers or whatever but until you close it it's not yours so then if you take a be what i used to do and i'm sure a lot of your clients would do that is oh, i lost 10 grand <laughs> and yeah. you didn't it, yeah. it was never yours in the first place um so i think that's a really powerful aspect is coming into the market with that expectation free mind follow your edge and nine times out of ten like you say it's not going to just be the first time you do it boom i've got all my problems are gone the amygdala i've found is a very interesting part of the brain that loves to play on you and tells you your shit and it likes to say things and you get that imposter syndrome coming as well which i think is quite a, an important thing within trading that other part of your mind that doesn't believe you can do it and all that stuff but if you can start to think as well, I find, which would we'll touch on more with yourself, um, with the, the kind of prefrontal cortex of your, of your brain that gives you that little bit more of a thought process, an extra second to think. Nine times out of 10, you make a much better decision than um, when you're thinking with that emotional amygdala part of the brain, right? Yeah. Um, yeah definitely. 
Definitely. And let, let me let me jump in on that as well, Albie. Um, I my internet's a little bit unstable, so I've just moved on to my phone's uh data right. I heard it crackle once. <laughs> it's fine. Um absolutely. And I think coming back to the expectations point, it's so key as well when we talk about the amygdala and prefrontal cortex, because your amygdala is going to take it's going to win uh, 10 out of 10 times uh, relative to your prefrontal cortex. The amygdala, the amygdala is there for survival. It's wired and it will fire quicker than the prefrontal cortex. Now, what you can do, uh, being aware of your expectations before a position, before a trade, will help you uh, stay more in the prefrontal cortex because you uh, you dampen the the amygdala wants pleasure and wants to avoid pain. That's what it wants to do. It's an animal seeking pleasure, avoiding pain. So if you set those positive expectations, you're going to fire up the amygdala because now it's seeking after all those positive, pleasurable expectations are imposing in the market. So by dampening those expectations, you automatically dampen the amygdala's response and your blood glucose and oxygen in your brain goes to the more advanced parts of the brain, like the, the prefrontal cortex, and you give yourself permission to go more process-based. But on top of that, what you can do and um, is getting a really crystal clear trading plan, right? And knowing what your rules are, knowing what your structures are, knowing what your processes are, knowing what your entries look like, knowing what your management looks like, the more process-based you get, uh, the more likely you are to execute from the prefrontal strategic part of your brain, as opposed to the amygdala that just wants to make a quick buck. It yep. wants to seek after that pleasure and it's ungoverned, it's uncontrolled. So lower those expectations, be aware of the expectations, just being aware of the expectations before a position is enough to nip them in the bud, as we say in Australia, um, and just be aware of them before you get into a position. And then get clear on the truth on the crystal, uh, crystal clear on the trading plan. And those two things will significantly improve your trading. Because, like you said, you know, you're not acting like an animal now. You're acting like a human who's governed, stable and acting at the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive part of your brain. Yeah, no, so it's cool. powerful, really powerful, man. Because I, like you said, um, it's something that naturally the amygdala wins. You know, it's, it's great if you saw a lion walking down the road and you had to run off, it'll, you'll run like Usain Bolt, you're off, right? Because it don't want to get eaten. But it's, it's terrible in certain aspects when money and, and things like that come in, right? And um, I think that's another th a thing to kind of briefly touch on is, you know, I always say to people that are in work, um, they always mention, can they or should they jump out of work when they're funded, you know, straight away? And I always say personally, no, because I did that and it was it was hard. I luckily saved some money and, and I could live from that. But if you're trading specifically for money all the time and that's your only outcome and focus, you'll have a hard time, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what I always suggest traders do if they're looking to go full time, first and foremost, to be aware that because if you're trying to escape a job because you hate your job to go full time, those same problems are just going to resurface when you're a full time trader. You know, whatever you try and run away from, you're going to run into very, very soon after. So I always encourage traders to ask themselves, well, first and foremost, like you did very wise, stash cash and have a cash buffer there and have a cash cushion. That's like, that's like a non-negotiable when you go full-time. 
Yeah. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the market. It's much wiser to have a cash cushion there because then you give yourself permission to execute on your edge and not trade because you have to make money, which just leads to a vicious cycle. But the other question I encourage all traders to ask, and this is, you know, sometimes I've done just sessions where I ask this one question to, to traders who want to go full time. I ask them, how does working the current job you're working, the part-time, full-time, or even studying, how does doing that, working your job, actually helping you become a better trader? And when they can start and make the connections in their head about how working that full-time job makes them more effective and efficient at the charts, it makes them plan better and have better processes in place, and it actually gets them away from the charts so they can refresh at times. And it makes them, you know, makes them more effective and efficient. The moment that they can make the connection in their head that me working a full-time job is actually advantageous to my trading success, all of a sudden they know now they don't they don't feel resentful to the job. Because the reason they're resentful to the job in the first place is because they're comparing their their life right now to a fantasy of how it could be, which is trading from the beach and not having to go to, to work and go through traffic and they can sleep in. And they're comparing their life to a fantasy and they hate their life in comparison. But the moment you can make the link and see how uh, working a full-time job is actually helping you become a successful trader and the drawbacks to their fantasy as well, you rebalance the perception in their mind and now they're grateful for their job and they're making a wise decision of, okay, I'm going to wisely stash cash for my job. I'm going to use my job now to become a really successful trader and then I'm going to leverage away from my job with plenty of cash in the bank. And I'm going to try this trading full-time thing. Is it for me or do I want to start another business? Do I want to go and do some sort of philanthropy? Do I want to, you know, what else do I want to do as well? But if you're, if you're doing those exercises, I just share, you make a wise decision as opposed to a decision of, I hate my job and I'll leave. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a decision that I originally so made. Okay. And it was hard because, uh, when you're trading for money, you see, you know, in your funded account, you're at $2,000, $3,000. Your brain's like, that That used to be my wages. I'm going to take that. <laughs> and you're not letting your, your probabilities play out management-wise. So then you might take that and be like, yeah, got my profit already day one. And then you hit a losing streak. You're not letting your RR play out. You're normally doing the break-even dance. And I find that is huge at the moment. And especially with people that I've worked with as well, they... They have this real fear of they go into drawdown, they get out of drawdown by closing early trades, they stay at break even, they take a loss, they back to, and they just do this, the vicious cycle. And I always say to people like, you need to execute that trade based on your edge, and you need to you need to believe in yourself. You need to say, look, I've I've seen this hundreds of thousands of times. I know it works. Is it on my side today? We'll find out. And, and walk away. What I always found at the beginning was when you first enter the position, I'd leave my screen, go downstairs or make a drink, whatever. My management, my partials are set, my TP set. If it's going to run, it's going to run. Um, if it takes me out, it takes me out. What I know a lot of people do is when they, when they watch it take them out, they then might hit buy again or sell again. If it takes them out, they start to bring in all that FOMO. And like you say, they're touching back on the middle. You're probably not thinking with the, the right state of mind you're thinking on clawing that money back. And I guess it's a sense of um, not, not wanting to feel like you failed. I think that is probably a very 
a very big thing in this industry. And it was funny in the community the other day, someone brought up a really valid point and they said, um, you know, a lot of people when they graduate from uni, whatever it may be they do, whether it's estate agents or doctors or dentists, whatever, not everyone straight away comes into the industry and starts to earn and profit. You know, some estate agents in, in exclusive markets might not make a, a sale for six to eight months before they make any money, right? Whereas with trading, everyone comes in and thinks month one, profit. I'm going to make 10, 20 grand. And I think it's a real problem in this society at the moment where everybody's associating trading as the get rich quick scheme. But you wouldn't do that with estate agency, dentistry, doctor, whatever it may be, right? So do you find that as well, that most people come into it just for money and not for the passion of trading? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, again, when we touch on expectations, it's those unrealistic expectations coming into the journey about, oh, I have to make money quickly or I will make money quickly. Um, and I don't blame a lot of people. I think sometimes trading is misconstrued in the way it's marketed. Um, but I think it also, you know, people can sometimes be a little bit more aware and realize that you, you, never, get a, you never get a pleasure without a pain and vice versa. Um, you're never going to get a, a, you know, whenever you think it's a free lunch, you're going to pay a price later on the track kind of thing. Right. Um, so I think it's, I, I think I see it. I see it very commonly. I'll be, and in fact, I see it with the traders who give up the quickest. They oftentimes have the most positive expectations coming into it. Right. They're so elated and so excited about how much money they can make and how quickly they can make it. But the issue is when you have those expectations, you're not resilient at all. The moment a challenge comes around when you go into your first drawdown, you're not going to stick with it. You're going to give up. You're going to throw it, throw in the towel and you're going to go off and chase the next shiny ball kind of thing. So I think backtracking and just talking expectations again, I think the expectations coming into the market need to be really grounded. I think traders really need to recognize that, yes, there is a great opportunity to make some great money and be your own boss and have the freedom, all those things, all those reasons why traders come into the market. But there's also a cost associated with that. There are, there are risks, there are drawbacks, there are a lot of work you have to put in. You're accountable for your own actions, right? There's a, there's a lot of things that come with that as well. And I think if, just, if traders just had that shifted mindset and they recognize that there's going to be both pain and pleasure coming in as a trader, then they're going to become more resilient. They're going to be more likely to stick with it. And as a result, they're more likely going to achieve success because they've stuck with it long enough. Um, but... Yeah, I, I do see I do see traders come in just, you know, they just want to make money. And when I see that, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but what I do encourage them to do is to link trading to whatever is most important in their life. So let's say, for example, a trader comes in, they really want to make an extra side income, but their main priority right now is their family or another business or their studies. Okay. I always ask them the question, okay, great. How does trading actually serve and benefit your family and how does spending time with your family actually serve and benefit your trading you know you, your communication with your loved one is very much like your communication with the market you have to be level with the person if you're above them you're going to project onto them get humbled if you blow them you're going to inject their priorities and you're going to burn yourself out same with the market you have to be level so i think if traders can make that connection in their mind if they recognize that i'm just trading for the money okay 
but how can you link your trading to what is most important to you and expand your reason why behind your trading, you're going to significantly increase the probability of achieving trading success. I want to touch on this a little bit later with funding um, because I see a lot of traders, they have the end goal that I want to just get funded and then they get funded, but then they lose the funding because they didn't have a vision beyond the funding. No they plan, hit a brick right? wall. Yeah. Right? Exactly, right? And it's no different if a trader's coming into the markets to just make money. Well, worst case scenario, they, they make a lot of money, but what next? Mm. Right? There's no plan beyond that. So I think it's very important to always ask yourself the question, okay, great, but what next? Right? It's like one of the famous tennis players said to his coach that, I want to be the best tennis player in the world. And his coach said, okay, great. But what next? It's like, they just, they had assumed that he would be the greatest tennis player in the world, but what's, what's beyond that. Um, and I think what he, what he said was, I want to then go and teach kids how to play tennis as well. And he had, he had a bigger reason beyond himself. He had a bigger reason than just being successful himself. And that ultimately fueled and was part of the reason why he became the best tennis player in the world. Right. No different with trading. The, the, the reason, it doesn't have to be beyond you, but you increase the probability of achieving success when, when the reason why and the vision is beyond just yourself. I've seen it over and over and I, um, I'm certain of that as well. And it's not, it's not difficult to see as well. The moment you have not only yourself, but your family. Dude, you have more motivation day to day to rock up and, oh. Did you miss a little bit of that? Yeah, I think you just cut out briefly. What I was saying is it's not it's not difficult to see, right? If you have your family, you've got maybe a philanthropic mission behind what you want to do, and you've got more than just beyond yourself behind your reason why, behind why you want to become a successful trader, you significantly, you wake up, you, ha you have more motivation, you, you have a bigger reason why, and you're more likely to succeed as a trader as a result. No, I agree, man. I think as well, touching on that, um, on the expectations as well, of I just want to be funded. Um, it goes back to um, the Stephen Bartlett said um, when he was, uh, he wanted to be a happy, sexy millionaire. That was like his, his goal. Um, when he got to that point and his business was valued at like 300 million, um, he was just like, oh, um, is that it? And he thought there'd be like confetti and the marching band and, and all this sort of stuff. And in reality, he said he was a lot more happier than when he was living in a shared house with no income and he was searching for money behind uh, takeaway shop seats. And he found £13. And he said that was survival. That £13 meant he could live for another week. He was happier then than when he achieved all of this million-dollar you know, business. And I think it's the same with, with trading, right? Everybody says, I want to be funded. Okay. You get funded. It's almost like a, an anti-climax. You, you get there and you're like, Oh, I'm funded. Where's everyone that's like, well done. And the confet doesn't happen. Now you've got to be professional. You've got to stay funded. You've got to achieve regular payouts, right? What's the plan. And, and it's funny, me and um, Mike Bamber were talking about this last week. Um, most people don't have a plan. They literally, like you said, they come in, funded, is up here as like the Champions League or the World Cup. They get it and then they lose it because there's no plan in place. And I think it's really important, like you said, to touch on that because 
Um, yes, funding is a tool that can help us all, but like you say, without a plan, it, it, what's the point? <laughs> um, and you almost anti-climax. And I think when you get to that point, and it happened to me, you, you anti-climax and you go, actually, was it worth it? Uh, was, yep. was all that sacrifice and, and all that, was it worth this? I don't feel great. Why not? And that's kind of when I went on a journey to realise that my happiness was the, the key. And that was what I had to be focused on, not just income, because I think they did a study and most people, when they achieved sort of eight, 80 to 100,000 per annum, any more you kind of don't need and essentially doesn't increase your happiness. It's then down to you to actually, you know, be happy within yourself. And I know people say you never see an unhappy guy in a Lambo or in a Ferrari or whatever, but essentially most of those people are very um, distant from their family. They might not have anyone like a partner. Um, they might not truly be, be happy within themselves. Right. And you see it with a lot of successful people um, they buy all the materialistic stuff thinking that makes you happy. And in reality, it doesn't, right? So I think one thing to throw in, don't get me wrong, if you want to treat yourself, and I believe you should certainly treat yourself, but don't just be trading for the materialistic objects all the time because there will always be something else that you want. And you're almost chasing this golden rainbow pot of gold that in theory won't come. You need to, What yeah. I realized is you need to be happy now. Money doesn't change that. And I think I know some people watching this might be like, but depending on your circumstances, money is important. And I, I fully agree. But there's a certain point where you have to understand there's more to it than just money. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because through hedonic adaptation, you adapt very quickly. It's not not difficult to see. Right. If everybody looks back on in two years ago from from now, two years ago, people probably would have killed to be in the position they are now. And now they've got it. And, you know, what are you thinking about now? You're thinking about the next next level, right? You forget pretty quickly about what your goals were two years ago. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, Albie. I think what people really need in their life is, um, is meaning, is a sense of meaning. Um, and they need to associate meaning to the money they make as traders. Um, and I've seen this again with clients that the traders who are making the most money from trading um, is because they have the greatest reason why they've got the, the, they've got the great, greatest meaning behind the money they make. And this doesn't have to be a significant thing. It can be as simple as, you know, using a portion of your profits to do something very small for your own family, but at least there's a meaning behind the, the, the money you make. And that leads to an overall more complete level of fulfillment because you also see the, the reverse, right? Where people start making a lot of money, they don't have any meaning associated with that money and they go down a lot of the addictive behaviors, the drugs, the alcohol, the partying. It's not difficult to see. Um, and my uh, one of my uh, mentors, I guess you'd call him, Dr. John Martini, has a great saying. He says that um, money without meaning leads to, to debauchery, like the drinking, the drugs, um, and money with meaning leads to philanthropy. So the moment you associate meaning to whatever it is you do, and you have a deeper reason beyond just the money, um, things start to move and shake and you start to do really cool things on planet earth. Um, but there, is, there are also stages to that, right? It may be for a lot of people out there listening now that the first thing you actually wanna do is get to a point of security where you've got a solid income for yourself. It's like a, a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? But like you were saying before, 
uh, because like once you reach that stable income around 70, 80, 100,000, anything more than that won't contribute more to your fulfillment. That's when you need to start looking for meaning. Um, so the moment you transcend the survival aspect of your life and you have enough income coming in to cover your basic needs, you know, your food, shelter, water, protection, that type of stuff, you then associate meaning to your life and um, you start to self-actualize as a human being and you, and you start to really move and shake. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting, uh, an interesting thing. Um, I think one other thing that would be important to touch on in this particular interview as well is um, prop firms and funding. Yeah, sure. um, I think I think there'll be a lot of people out there who uh, either have a goal to get funded or are maybe funded already um, and really want to hang on to that and not lose that. Um, and I've had the opportunity to work with uh, prop firms to consult for prop firms and also trading education companies. Um, and I've seen a lot of different things that help traders not only get funded, but also hold on to that funding. Um, and I'd love to share a little bit of a story, if you don't mind. Albie, yeah, yeah, of course, man. Be, yeah, of course. Um, Albie mentioned it before, but a lot of traders have funding up on a pedestal. Um, and one of the key exercises I take a lot of my clients through is helping them take trading off the pedestal, right? And I'm going to touch on why that's such a challenge soon, but I want to share this story here. And we we're going through an exercise with one of my clients and I was asking him, what are the drawbacks with the risks associated with funding, right? Because traders see trading as an all uh, funding as an all positive thing. Again, they're imposing their all positive expectations onto the funding and all positive only exists in the mind, right? Funding has both advantage and disadvantage. There's going to be support and challenge when you're funded, right? So the exercise I took a client through is help them become aware of the drawbacks, the risks, the disadvantages of being a funded trader so they could mitigate the risks of those particular things. Now, one of the things that he came up with and it hit him, it, like he, I could just see him say the answer and he just sort of stopped and started processing it because it really meant something to him. And I got goosebumps. I could feel, I could feel it. It was true. Um, he said that, I've worked for the last three years as a trader to become a funded trader. That was his end goal, right? So the drawback of becoming a funded trader was that all the motivation, all the drive he had day to day to become a funded trader would go out the window when he was funded. He would no longer have a sense of purpose or a mission behind his day to day trading and his, and his, you know, his drive, he would lose that. And I was like, oof. And he, he, he knew that hit him hard kind of thing. And the issue with this trader, the, the issue with this trader was that his goal, like we'll talk before, Albie, his goal was to get funded. There was a brick wall after that. There was nothing beyond that, mm. right? So the moment he gets funded, he loses all motivation, discipline. He stops doing the work that got him there in the first place. And he ultimately loses the funding. That's a big reason why I see traders lose funding is because I'm going to make a statement here that becoming a funded trader cannot be the goal. It has to be a stepping stone along the pathway of your ultimate goal, right? One of the best ways to do this is to have such a big vision for your trading and for your life that the funding is just such a small stepping stone along that. And the moment you can expand your vision and mission for yourself and for your trading and funding is just a stepping stone, you significantly increase the probability of getting that funding and you also significantly increase the probability of scaling holding on to and continuing to trade that funding without losing it um and i think that and it's a very simple exercise to do it's like uh who would i love to be as a trader in, in 10 years time 
Mm. Right? What does that look like? What's my what's my reason why behind my trading? What's what's the what's the the cause behind my trading? The greater the reason why, the more likely you are to succeed as a trader. Um, all these things come together. So if traders are out there that want to get funded, I would be super key on uh, planning, like we've talked about, planning beyond the funding and have a plan beyond the funding so you know exactly what you're doing the moment you get funded. If someone was to come up to me and said, I want to get funded, I would say, great, what next? Yeah, That would be my response. I think that's, um, again, incredible value, man, because it was probably something I did. You know, I, I associated getting funded with completed it, like done it, you know, chilling. But what everybody forgets with these prop models is, yes, don't get me wrong, they're brilliant and they are... Um, they are great for people to, to build their capital. But I think what people forget as well is, um, you know, you go through a, a challenge, a verification, live account, right? Now, in that process, the first, say, two months, if it took you that time to get the initial live account, you've made, say, 15%, but essentially you've not actually got anything from that. So you sometimes I find your mind's a little bit like, well, what did I get for that? Well, hang on a minute. And then what people do is when they get the live account, what I've noticed is the first thought, and, and it was mine as well, is I want to make 50 grand, 100 grand. Like you just shoot for the moon, right? And yeah. like you say, that's not really a plan in some respects. Yes, make money. But it should also be like, can I get my initial investment back that I've just put into getting this account, right? Like, can I actually get my profit back? Because I think everybody forgets that when you just pass, don't, don't just get your money. You have to have that profitable month, right? And I think that is where most people fall into the drawdown because they go for maybe, maybe they've traded the whole challenge with half percent. They go live and they go 1% because they want to make loads of money because now it's real. And they go down and they're not sure how to deal with that. And then they spiral, 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 right? And I think like you, you touched on there, um, you need to have that essentially like a business, right? We, we try and preach it a lot. Uh, uh, trading is a business and mm -hmm. every business has a business plan, five-year plan. So what is your business plan for your trading is essentially what you're saying, right? What, what's next? What, where are we aiming? Because these are just stepping stones. Say you want to get funded. Okay, from funding, I want to achieve uh, a six-figure personal. So I have my own funding. From that, I want to achieve this and, and kind of setting up those milestones right but always having that like you say you kind of almost want the end goal to not almost not be touchable because you'll just hit that wall again right so you almost want to just which is why we're big on forget limited beliefs just go for it because when you like you say when you um live eat sleep breathe your goal and you hit it you're almost like now what do i do and, and I think that's so important in, in this prop funding world because it's, it's a great achievement, but it's, it's, it's using it right. And I, I feel like for the first couple of months, it should just be getting consistent payouts, just showing yourself you can actually withdraw from the market and make money and, and slowly building that buffer up. Um, maybe treat yourself something. Don't go crazy and buy a Rolex or something mad. Just something, you know, as a little treat, a little incentive. Um, and, and also, I think people should be taking the profits and they should be adding some to a personal account because not to say or ring any alarm bells, I'm, the prop firms are here to stay, I believe. But it's always that classic of you need a, you need I believe you need a backup of some sort. And if you're trading personal funding and prop funding and you link them, 
you can just trade both. I have my personal account. I have my funded account. I trade both together on a copier. And I just low risk on the funded because for me, um, trading on the five seconds and stuff, sometimes I might take a couple of hits. If I'm doing 1% on the funded, yeah, it still can play with my head. So I, I load, lowered my risk on that. I trade the personal. And at the end of the month, I withdraw it, put it in the personal. And I'm kind of following that cycle. And I recommend to everybody else. Um, obviously, if you need to live, take, take what you need to live. But again, it goes back to make sure you've got that money behind you to live. I, I tried to do basically a year, all my bills as like an emergency fund. And I like to live with that constant year behind me. Because then when I trade, I'm almost stress-free trading, if that makes sense. Definitely. And uh, I think you hit on a, a really important point there. Um, I think it's also smart to consider, obviously, the, the cash savings is key, right? The cash cushions is super key, mainly just from a psychological perspective. You give yourself permission to let your edge play out. And the more time you have, the, the, the more the volatilities are dampened. If you have, you know, if you have a week to make bills, then doing really well is very pleasurable and doing really badly is very depressing. But if you have a year to make bills, the oscillations are much smaller. So you can deal with the oscillations uh, much easier. So cash cushions are without a doubt, one of the most important things. But then also something else I encourage traders to do is to consider expanding their ultimate wealth creation system as well. Not to say this is uh, professional financial advice by any yeah. means, but what it, what it does do is it just helps traders see things from a different perspective. For some traders, I know this is personally for me, this is me speaking from personal experience, trading is just one small component of an overall wealth creation system. Right? I've got cash savings there, I've got other long-term investments, I've got tra trading, right? And traders need to think of this, they need to come to the conclusion of how does my overall wealth creation system look like? Trading, you know, I, I differentiate business and wealth. Right? Business is how you make money come into your bank account. Wealth is what you do with that money. Trading prop firms is probably more so around that business because you're managing someone else's capital. You're bringing money into your own personal bank account. What do you do with that next? Do you then put that into long-term stocks that pay you a dividend? Do you take a portion of that, like you said, I'll be put into your own personal account to let that compound, right? And I think if traders just expand their awareness of what they do when they make money to manage that money, um, Things, things start to progress. I had a really brilliant lesson uh, a few years ago in business. Um, someone told me, it was a family friend, he told me that you know, rule number one is make money. Rule number two is keep the money you make. Yeah. And I traded, some traders are very good at rule number one. They can make a lot of money. But then if you have a look at their income relative to their expenses, how much they actually kept, sometimes it's not too good at the end, right? So also considering beyond making the money, how are you going to keep and continue to grow the money you make, right? Definitely a portion without a doubt has to be in savings just from a psychological perspective. Mm. But then how do you distribute your overall wealth creation system to ensure that you're, you're building something that's sustainable, that can last the test of time um, and it's consistent because if it's not sustainable, it's not going to sustain, you're going to burn yourself out, so on and so forth. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that come into it, but uh, I just wanted to make that point to maybe spurt some ideas for some traders and open their awareness to things that they haven't thought about before. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, um, from all the books and things I've read in the past, you know, it says the average millionaire has between six to seven incomes. And yep. I think that's one thing that people forget is they associate trading, which yes, you know, I know people that have made huge amounts of money from it, 
but it doesn't have to be the only way you make money, right? There's, there's ways you can have multiple income streams and it's just one of your many income streams. And if one was to disappear, you still have others, right? And that's why I say to people, like if you're in a job and let's say you like your job, can you manage trading around the job? Could you maybe reduce your hours? Could you maybe work from home a little bit more often? Do you work from home? If so, can you get on the charts? Because if you have that income from your job, then all of a sudden the trading money can become that wealth tool where you can compound it. And everyone forgets compounding. And obviously Warren Buffett says it's the eighth wonder of the world. You know, most of his money came from that, albeit very late on in his journey. But, you know, and, and it's funny, I always play with compound interest calculators all the time just for fun. What you can do with even 10K in a, in a personal over a year compounded is crazy if you, if you know what you're doing. But everyone associates it with at the beginning, it'll only be like, you made a thousand. Oh, you made 1500. But then month six, month seven, month eight, it's 20,000. It starts to scale crazy, right? And I think um, it's, so, it's so crucial that we don't just have that one trading is all we've got because then the mind is, is in chaos. Um, and I had that when I initially left my job. Luckily, I had the cash buffer. Without that, I would have been in, in bits. But I was essentially trading to try and survive. And what I was doing was putting the expectation of my, my girls and my missus and the roof over our head on the next trade. And that is, is dangerous because when, like you say, going back to the previous conversation, you take that stop loss, you take that loss. You've just put your rent, your kids, your missus, you've put so much on it. No wonder you end up feeling shit. <laughs> Because you feel like you've let everyone down and you haven't. You've just lost one trade and that's part of the game. Yep. And and worse to that as well, you take the win um, and then you and you, and then you think you're invincible in the market. You get humbled. And then you go on it <laughs> and you, you get humbled very quickly by the market, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it happens, right? I've done it. I've I've gone, oh mate, that was such a good trade. I'm the market. The market don't give a shit. <laughs> um the next trade, you just get smashed and you're like, oh, um, and it's, it's that whole remain humble. And I think that's one thing I've really tried to do for myself as well is remain humble. I'm very grateful for the position that I'm in. And I'm, I'm a big believer on something I wanted to touch on, which I'm sure you're a big believer on, too, is are you um, are you big on gratitude and an importance of that in trading? Absolutely, Albie. Absolutely. Would you love to I can share some of my thoughts on this? Yeah, um, if you, if you just, just for people, because I know I did a video recently yeah. about how I journal every day and gratitude. I just right. write three things down that I'm grateful for. It can be things like I'm grateful for coffee, you know, just things yep. that we are, we overthink. I just want to get your take on it for the viewers. You know, is that something that you would recommend people that maybe don't do that? Absolutely. I, I completely, I just want to show you something really quick. I don't want people to read what I wrote down because there may be some weird stuff in it. <laughs> but I have, I have my, um, I've got Love my that. notion... I got my notion document here. I actually made a, a, a video on this on my YouTube as well recently. Um, and what I said was, I have a notion document up on my phone every day and it, and it stays there. It stays in my, uh, you know, how you have the multitasking, all those things that yeah. you, can, you can get rid of it or you can keep it there. I keep it there the whole day. And what that does is it constantly reminds me every day, every day when I see it, every time I go onto my phone, get out of Instagram, I see that document there and I click into it. And then I just type a little bit of stuff of what I'm grateful for, right? What I think gratitudes are so important for is they keep you present in, in, in what's actually happening in the day. 
Um, and another thing they do, because every trader recognizes that when they take a loss, when they miss a position, it can spiral them, right? You can, you can literally feel like you're emotionally spiraling and how bad this situation is. And we exaggerate in our minds, the amygdala again. But the moment you can pull out a gratitude journal and remind yourself of the opportunities, the blessings, the advantages, what you actually do have, you train yourself to think more in a state of abundance, right? And you become more, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're now aware of the opportunities you have, which make you more uh, aware of the new opportunities, right? And you promote an abundance mindset and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, in, that, um, in that way. The other thing that I encourage with gratitudes is not only listing all the good things you have in your life, but also going into those experiences that we initially label challenging or terrible or bad and have a look at what opportunities, what blessings, what benefits, what services actually came out of those things we're labeling terrible or bad. And what you start to do is you start to do a, uh, a collapse uh, on those particular things. You start to expand your awareness about those particular events in your life. And you come to realize that, holy crap, that thing I labeled so terrible was actually essential in my journey. And it's actually helped me become the person I am today. And I'm grateful for that. And I think that's the true sense of gratitude. Gratitude is being able to see the advantages in the so-called terrible times and getting yourself back to a state of equilibrium and balance um, and ultimately, that's where you're going to perform best as well. I made a video on gratitude and its uh, benefit to your overall mood and your overall performance. I think it has a positive effect on, on how you perform, how you sleep. I also think it has a, a positive effect on, on your mood day to day, which everybody knows that's going to have a positive effect in all areas of life, your relationships, your, your training, your reading, all that type of stuff. So I'm a huge promoter of gratitude. As you guys saw, I, I um, tend to practice what I preach. I at least go into that document at least once a day. That's at least a goal of mine. Um, and I do constantly remind myself of the opportunities I have and what's be, what, what there is to be grateful for. No, I'm glad that you, obviously, I knew you would share the same value, but it's nice to know because um, it's something that I originally, um, probably not in the growth mindset that I was in when I first kind of embarked on the journey, I used to sort of think that can't help, you know, those things. And, and I'm sure there's many people probably listening that think, yeah, all right, but from experience it's changed so much for me because it's it's not until something's taken that you you realize whoa and it's not like i'm not talking about you know um like death or anything but i'm talking about silly things like if your internet just goes you are pissed <laughs> you are fuming right but if you if you wake up you don't go i'm grateful for internet because you think oh, it's just a normal but it's not normal there's many places that it's they don't have that right and it's only when it's gone, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the washing machine broke and you don't realize how grateful you are for a washing machine <laughs> until it's gone. Yeah. So sometimes I'm writing things down such as I'm grateful for a toaster. I'm grateful for the kettle, like just silly things, because it's really made me be a lot more grateful and, and self-aware of what I actually have. And that starts my day in, in a much better way than always focusing on what I don't have, because the reality of it is I've got a roof over my head. My kids eat every day. I eat every day. I've got food, water. I've got access to the internet. I can work from home. I don't need a, a bigger house, a swimming pool, a Lamborghini to, to be better, right? It's Yes, it can be some people's goals and that's fine, but it's very important to ground yourself, like you said, because and if you don't do that, your mind just runs wild. 
and you see the social media aspect of things I think is quite bad for, for our minds some of the stuff I tend to I've unfollowed everybody that doesn't have a benefit so if I'm following um, I used to follow a lot of celebs and stuff and I realized quite quickly that what they promote is, is not me you know the algorithm shows you someone on in the Maldives with a six-pack a Rolex and a Louis Vuitton bag and you think oh, I haven't got that I need it and the reality is is they're probably um, behind all of that they're probably not very good in themselves and they're looking for you know um, validation from others so it's really important to I think surrounding yourself with the right environment even obviously your circle is key but the actual environment of what you look at every day recently I've turned off notifications on Instagram completely so that not even a DM comes through I cannot explain how much better my days have been from just not seeing and scrolling because I would get my phone and go for no reason and I would see some stuff and then it makes you think I'd go to my missus we need to go to Dubai it's the norm or we need to do this we haven't got this Whereas when I stop that, focused on what I have, progress, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, the comparisons are killer, um, especially in this industry uh, and especially in the journey as well. Um, there's a few, I mean, there's a few cliche quotes I'm going to throw out here, but um, I think one of the, the wisest things any trader can do is get clear on where they are in the journey right now, be honest with themselves where they actually are in their life identify where they would love to get to and then identify high priority actions from where they are to where they would love to get to and work on those every day. And the only thing they should be comparing themselves to are the daily actions they did that day to the overall goal they want to accomplish. Because if you, if we constantly look left and right, if our goals, you know, right ahead of us, if we constantly look left and right, we're going to be distracted from our chief aim right? Our ultimate goal. But if we're constantly comparing what we actually did to, you know, the progress that we want to make towards that goal, that's a wise way we can adjust and use this feedback to make, you know, make measurements um, and, and adjust. Um, but too many people, too many traders, too many people in general are comparing themselves, looking left and right, thinking that they need something else. So they don't have what they want. Um, or in fact, look straight ahead, get clear on the high priority actions every day and stick to those. I think that's super key. Um, and when we talk about things like funding and all that type of stuff, I really think that the thing that gets traders funded at the end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, whatever it is, is sticking to high priority actions every day, you know, not worrying about the outcome of positions, but just sticking to the highest priority action, whether that be refining their trading plan, backtesting, watching content, executing, what's the highest priority actions, sticking to those every day. And those done consistently and persistently is ultimately what gets them the goal. Um, but when you that. when you when you're comparing when you're on social media, um, it's it's less it's it's uh, you're more likely to be deterred from that and distracted. So, yeah, it used to it used to really play with me for a lot. And and like you say, it, the the important part is number one, identifying the problem, right? But you have to have an actionable plan to, yep. to fixing that. And that was I think that's the thing that some people don't do either. They're very aware potentially on what's wrong but rather than action in it, because it might take some time or it's, it's long, as people would say, it's long, can't be bothered. Um, it's those little things that everyone doesn't see that contributes to the success of the journey, right? And um, yeah, just to, just to end on that, like I think, you know, from 
from every aspect of, of trader that's you know watching and listening to this and if you're not trading you know a lot of these things you can take into just any kind of um business career you know um i think yeah gratitude and stuff's helped me a lot and, and so has the expectation i think we covered some really really in-depth topics um hopefully added a lot of value i'm not sure how long we've been on for i would say about maybe an hour about an hour yeah about an hour um but before we sort of wrap up is there anything else you want to kind of touch on or are you um we kind of got everything out you want to sort of touch on um there's probably one additional thing that i think would just be yeah, quite yeah sure, valuable. i'd love to share because i know there's going to be a lot of people out there that want to get funded um and i think this is a really key thing um one thing that i see keeps funding away from traders is their obsession with it traders are so obsessed with being funded that it ultimately is the reason why they don't get funded and that's a little bit counterintuitive in some people's minds, but let me explain this from a, a different perspective, right? Um, I'm sure majority of the audience are, are male, as a male audience, so they're going to know what I'm talking about here. But if, say, for example, you're in the dating scene and you're highly obsessed with the other person, what you do is you take that person, you put them up on a pedestal, and that person knows you're obsessed with them. And what that communicates subconsciously is that, this person thinks I'm better than that person down here because they put me up on a pedestal. You're not resonating on the same frequency as them. And this person here never wants to get a worse deal. They want to match. So that person's not going to be you know, receptive to this person because they intuitively know that they're a better deal than this person because they're self-minimizing, right? So it's the obsession with the ultimate thing they want to attain that ultimately keeps that thing away from them. And it's no different with funding. We talked about putting funding up on a pedestal and that type of stuff. I think learning to take funding off a pedestal and learning to uncover the drawbacks, the risks and disservices to what that funding actually has and then mitigating those risks and mitigating everything that could go potentially wrong is very much the key to increasing the probability of becoming a funded trader. I mean, I talk about this in all my programs. Uh, I talk about this in all my coaching sessions when traders want to get funded. The first place we start is we take funding off that pedestal. Because I'm certain that it's the obsession with the funding that ultimately keeps them away from funding in the first place. Mm. And the funny thing that happens, Albie, is the moment they clear the obsession with the funding and they learn to focus on the high priority actions every day and not be distracted by the outcome of getting funded or not being funded, they, in three months' time, get funded. Mm. And it's like ultimately that carefree attitude of, I'm just going to stick on the highest priority thing today, that's what gets them funded. Um, so I really believe that learning to take funding off the pedestal, um, learning to uh, manage your mindset and deal with the psychological things around trading is the key to a lot of traders' success, whether they want to get funded or not, but especially around funding. It's super key. No, I love that. To finish on that is, um, is very powerful. And I think a lot of people listening to that will resonate with that because most of my questions, whether it be on YouTube or Instagram, are... Um, please help me get funded. I want to get funded. And I even see now there's companies getting people funded for them. I'm not quite sure yep. how that works, but I always say to people, just someone giving you a funded account. One, there's no sense of achievement in that. And two, you're probably going to lose it. Like, yep. you know, that's not, not what the way you want to do it. Um, but like you say, almost take just kind of, it's almost like what we, what I found and what we're trying to tell a lot of people is, um the analogy we're kind of looking at is it's like a game in some respects right like if you're a gamer call of duty fifa battlefield whatever you play 
Um, you do it because you enjoy it. You you like the game. And if you get killed online on, on a game, you don't usually throw the game out the window and ruin your day. You normally revive, respawn, whatever, and you go again. And it's because you're enjoying it. And I think not enough people take that into trading because it can be the same. If you enjoy it and you want to follow the process, it's essentially the same thing. You, taking that stop loss might just be like you got killed, but on a game before anyone thinks I'm talking about any kind of death. But if you respawn, you go again. Eventually, you normally complete that level or you, you get that person back that, you know, had killed you on the game or whatever. And I find trading is very similar in the sense of, Treat it more like like that game aspect, because I think everyone goes into the market somewhat with a bit of fear of this could hurt me or I can't lose this. And and another topic just to throw into that is if you are getting into trading, only invest what you can lose, because at the end of the day, if you're attached to that money, say it's the money for your rent and you've put it into a personal or into a funded account to, to get funded, you're going to be so attached to the outcome because you need that money that you're likely going to lose it. And that, that unfortunately is how it normally goes. If I put all my savings into my personal, I'd probably blow it <laughs> because I'd be so like, I've got to make money. I've got to do well. So I think just to end on that, as well as, as what you said, take everything off a pedestal, have your process. If you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't have an edge, you don't have a checklist, rewind. That's what you need to be getting first. And then you need to take that into that market and test it live with all the outcomes. And I think, again, talking about gratitude journaling, journaling how you feel during trades really helped me as well. You know, like um, when the trade's on, I just get my notes up and write. Um, felt a little bit emotional when I got tagged in. Um, and then I'd kind of dig into why I maybe felt that way. That really helped me learn to manage my emotions with trading as well. Um, I know I've tangented off onto another thing there, but just to throw that in. Um, yeah great i i think we've covered a lot of different things here and there'll be a lot of things for the audience to pick at um and sure. obviously you know i'll be i'll be coming through and answering any questions in the comments if people have additional comments and stuff but um yeah man i'm i'm i, I hope the audience found this valuable you know i appreciate it. i just want to say a massive appreciation for coming on man um it's uh it's going to add a lot of value and i'll drop pat's uh youtube and insta links below um, so you can go and check out. He's got a lot of valuable videos on YouTube, lots of very short topics, um, you know, some serious value. So if you're not following, not subscribed, check it out. And like Pat said, if you do have any comments on things we've spoken about, just fire them. Um, and yeah, Pat will be there to, to go through them as will I. So yeah, just want to say big ups for coming on, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it and had a great time. Thank you, mate. Right. Peace and love, homies. See you later.